Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> I'm so thankful for the freedom that we have in this country. And I really, I don't think that there is any greater country in all the world, past or present, than the United States of America. And I believe it's because America has always put God first. And um, I believe that, uh, you know, even though a, a lot of our founding fathers, uh, many of them were good men, moral men, some of them, uh, many of them were Christians, some of them were not. Even some of the ones that we look at as great Christian men were not necessarily Christians, but they were moral men and they, they understood um, our position before God. And that's why their motto was, in God we trust. That's why our motto is still, in God we trust. And uh, it, the farther we get away from that, the, 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 uh, the less God is going to be able to bless America. And I think we're already starting to see some of that. As we scan across this, this beloved country that we call home, we see all the chaos and the anarchy and the streets are filled with riots and protests and, and you know, airwaves are, are just abounding with falsehoods and false information and distortion and you know, historical monuments are being defaced and torn down and voices just hatred everywhere. It's, it's sad to see that, that our country has come to that point. And so I, I, think that, I think it's a valid question to say, what has happened to America? What's happened to this nation? All right, I believe that America is at a crossroads in her history. In the 246 years since the Declaration of Independence, the 258 years since the ratifying of the Constitution of the United States, what has happened to this nation? How did we as a nation arrive at a place where armed anarchists could set up a so-called autonomous zone and all legal authority is pushed out of it, right? We saw that happening last summer in particular. Uh, just, just craziness that's happening in this country. Elected leadership looked, looked on with tolerance and acceptance, afraid to stand up. I mean, could you imagine what the founding fathers, if they had been alive today, would have thought about the stuff that was happening last summer mainly, but even, even before that, even a little bit after that. Could you imagine what the founding fathers would have thought had they seen what was going on in this country, and what is going on in this country. How do we get to a place where any voice that dissents against the politically correct narrative is immediately attacked and vilified, even faces physical harm, right? I, I, in, in, and I'm not, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to get political this morning, but you think about the Supreme Court decision that just overturned Roe versus Wade and sent the decision back down to the states. That's a huge victory in America for the, for the cause of, of biblical principles, right? To see that, that the unborn now have a right to, to, to have a chance at living at least. And you have all these people that are coming out and saying, I would kill my baby a hundred times if I had an opportunity to do it. That's, a, that's in America. How can you say that in America, right? It's because we've moved away from God in this politically correct narrative where now you have the Supreme Court justices who made this decision to send it to the states. And now you have people standing outside of their homes threatening to kill them. Right? Threatening to do all this other stuff in the, in the country because uh, a decision was made that got back to biblical principles and it was not politically correct. Right? How can we go on? We could go on listing things that even 15 or 20 years ago would have been unthinkable that we see happening in this country today. But how did we get to that point? I believe the Bible sets before us a pathway which we as a nation have traveled down to arrive at this tragic point that we are at in our nation's history that we find ourselves in today. And I think we find that in Romans chapter 1. 
Verse number 18 is where I want to start. I, I want to read a little bit longer passage than I normally read, but I think, it, I think it explains so much of what's going on. Verse number 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Think about this in light of the United States today. You could put an example of something that's happened in this country next to almost every single one of these verses that we're going to read. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Boy, if that does not describe this country, right? And look at the list of things that God talks about that are, that are essentially an abomination to him. And yet, not only are we, are we looking, not, we're not just looking the other way at these things, we're embracing them, and we have pride months in favor of these things that God says very clearly are reprobate and things that go against what God has designed in the natural use of human beings. And over and over and over, and, but God mentions all kinds of other things, unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, envy, murder, debate, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, Right? We're all in the same boat when it comes to sin before God. But I want to consider carefully Romans chapter 1 here in light of our nation's historical journey and see if we can answer this question, what has happened to America? What has happened to America? Let's pray and we'll look at a few verses in this passage this morning. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you again for the freedom that we have it physically, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. We so, so thank you for that. God, we thank you for the fact that we don't have to live in the bondage of sin anymore. I pray that if there is somebody that's never been set free here this morning, that they've never come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they come to that knowledge this morning, have the same freedom that we have in Jesus Christ for those who are saved. But God, I pray that you'd help us to, as we look at this passage this morning 
that we'd be the solution to the problem, that we would be those that would be on our knees begging you to do something in our nation, begging you to do something in our own lives. And God, I pray that this message would help us move in that direction this morning. Thank you for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I think we can look at is what America discerned. And we see that in verse number 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. From the inception of our nation, I think there was two great truths that are very clearly comprehended by those who were the founders of our country. The first one is that all of them were aware of the reality of God. I'll be very honest with you and, and say that not everybody in America was a Christian. And there were plenty of times in our nation's history, especially if you look at pre-war uh, pre, uh, for independence, there was, there was a lot of debauchery in America, right? This, we look around us at what's going on in our nation today, and we say, hey, there's, there's, this is a, the worst that America has ever been. And I don't even think that's the truth. Uh, there's, it's more open than it was in years past. It's more visible than it was in years past. But there was always this, this underbelly, this, this seediness in America. And God brought about revivals and changed those things. God used people to do it. So even though, yes, things look bad in America, we're not gonna, we, we can't sh completely sugarcoat the past and pretend that everything in, in, in our past was, was just peachy and everything was fine. There was a lot of sin that happened in America in the past as well. But at the very bottom of all of that, I think that America at least had an awareness of the reality of God. You look at the writings of the founding fathers and, and others of that day. Uh, all you have to do is look at that to reveal the fact that men at least acknowledged the existence of God. They were not Christians necessarily, but they certainly were not atheists, at least not in the extent that we see them today. They just came out with a poll and 90% of people, only 90% of people now in America believe in God. 10% of people in America don't even believe that there is a God. And that's changed in the last 10 years because 10 years ago they did that same poll and it was 96% of people who believed at least that there was a God. I think if you were to take that poll back in the 1700s when our Declaration of Independence came out, it would probably be 99.999% of people who believed at least in the reality of the existence of God. But the second thing is that they generally accepted their responsibility before God. Think of the words of James Madison, the, fa the father of the Constitution in 1778 to the General Assembly of the state of Virginia. He said this, we have staked the whole future of our new nation, not upon the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future of all our political constitutions upon the capacity of each of ourselves to govern ourselves according to the moral principles of the Ten Commandments. John Quincy Adams, in a letter to Mr. Arthur Lee in February of 1779, wrote this, The highest, the transcendent glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principles of civil government with the precepts of Christianity. Thomas Jefferson himself wrote in 1781, Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God, that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. It's a very powerful statement. And if people could at least understand that, 
But from the very founding, the leaders and the influential parties of that day understood the truth of God and that a man was accountable to God for his actions. And we've gotten away from that today to the fact where nobody is accountable for what they do. They, they blame it on a product of society. They blame it on a product of the upbringing. Or they blame it on a product of all kinds of other things except the fact that we are responsible as individuals before God. Americans understood this principle and it guided everything that they did. Quite frankly, we've moved very far from that position today. And where most men were moral and raised their children to be the same, we've lost that morality in this country. And there's a difference between being a Christian and being moral. There's a lot of people who are living morally who are never going to see heaven because they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. You don't get to heaven by being a moral person. You get to heaven by being saved. You get to heaven by knowing Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. But at least we had morals in this country. And that guided most people in the things that they did, the actions that they took. But have you noticed the shift? It used to be not all that long ago that there was not sports that were scheduled on Sunday, right? Now, Sunday's just another day. A lot of people missing church because they got sports playing on Sunday. My kids got a sports game at 12 o'clock on Sunday. I can't be at church, right? It used to be there wasn't even scheduled for 12 o'clock. Now they have, they have these games going all day, Right? I remember there was a time when, you know, Wednesday night services were important enough that they didn't schedule practices on Wednesday night. Now a lot of these, a lot of kids that go to church on Wednesday night either have to miss the practice on Wednesday night or miss church, and a lot of people are choosing to miss church so their kid who's going to go to the MLB or the NBA or the NFL one day can go play sports, right? No, they're probably not going to, and you know what's, you know what's happening is you're, 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 you're teaching your children that sports is more important than church. I'm glad you're here today. I know that most of the people, in fact, I think everybody that's here today is faithful in church on Sunday. And you don't put the sports above those things. But there's a lot of people that do. And 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, it was not that way. We're moving, we're shifting away from what America used to know. We could go on. But that's what America discerned. America at least had, a, had an understanding of the morals of the principles of the Bible and had an understanding that we have a responsibility before God. We're going to answer to God for ourselves. You're not going to be judged on what your parents did. You're not going to be judged on what your children do. You're going to be judged by what you do with your life. You're going to be judged by whether or not you personally have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. It doesn't matter what this church does. It doesn't matter what your parents do. It doesn't matter what your ancestors have done. It matters what you do in your relationship with God. We also see what America decided, and we see that in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21. It says this, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Boy, isn't that the way it is in America today? The intellectuals of this country that are trying to tell everybody what the right thing is and the wrong thing is to do, and it's completely against what the Word of God says, professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Look, the Bible says that they, they knew God, but they glorified Him not as God. They knew who He was. They had heard about Him in Sunday school. They had heard about Him in vacation Bible school. They had heard about Him growing up maybe from time to time as they went to church. They knew who God was. They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Boy, if there's any sin of America, it's unthankfulness. We've been given so much. We have so much in this country, and yet we take it for granted so often. We're so unthankful for the things that God gives us. 
Boy, spend a, spend a week in a foreign country where they don't have anything, and you'll realize exactly what we have in this nation. I'm telling you, I've been, I've been on these four. I've been in Haiti. I've been in Moldova. I've been in Romania. I've been in these places that they have nothing, and yet they're thankful for the nothing that they have, and here we have everything, and we're so ungrateful for what we have. But God says that's, this, that's one of their sins. Neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. We've been given a godly foundation. We have a godly foundation and a true comprehension of our responsibility before God. But the people of America have turned away after other gods. And boy, there's so many lists. And, and I know that there's not a lot of people sitting there with idols on their shelf that they bow down to and worship every day. But we have a lot of idols in this country. Materialism, the God of abundance, right? People trying to get out there and hoard as much as they can. Give me more, give me more. How much is enough? Just one more dollar, right? When do you have enough? Well, as soon as I get one more. That's materialism. That's the God of abundance. Humanism, the God of self, right? We see that, over, we, we see that happening so much. And I'm not saying that there's something wrong with, you know, making sure that your mental health is okay and all of that kind of stuff. There's, there's a place for that. But it's all about you take time for you. You put the focus on you. Stop worrying about everybody else. Focus on yourself, right? How about... How about Jesus, others, you? That's how you bring joy in your life, right? And I'm telling you, the reason why people have so little joy in their life is because they put themselves first. They've completely erased Jesus Christ out of the equation, and they've stopped thinking about others, and it's all about me, the number one. What can I get for me? How does that benefit me? And if it doesn't benefit me, then I'm not going to take part in it. Boy, we see that happening in churches a lot too, right? If it doesn't benefit me, I'm not going to be a part of that. If I, have to, if I have to sacrifice something, then I'm not going to be a part of that ministry. If I have to sacrifice, then I'm not going to do that, right? We see that happening a lot. How can it benefit me? Right? What, what John F. Kennedy said, ask not what, what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country, right? And I say the same thing. Ask not what God can do for you. Ask what you can do for God. Ask not what your church can do for you. Ask what you can do for your church, Right? That used to be the mindset. That used to be the mentality. But we've moved into this mindset of, of humanism. I am number one. And if it doesn't benefit me, then I'm not going to do it. Intellectualism, the God of knowledge. We, we've, we've elevated that to a position where science says that God didn't create this earth. And so we believe the science. Right? We follow the science. We've made that a God. Hedonism, the God of pleasure. All of those things have taken their place at the altar at which America worships. Although there's been brief eras in, a, in our history, I think, in which the conscience of America has been awakened to the reality of, of spiritual things. The general trend has not been toward, but it's been away from God. And we, as a, as a nation, are making that decision to move farther and farther away from God and, and, and I know there's a lot of Christians still left in America, but we've dropped the ball. The problem is not with the politicians. The, poli the problem is with the churches, right? And we as a nation are going to be all grouped together. The Bible doesn't say blessed are the Christians whose God is the Lord. He said blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And if we don't get good Christian solid people elected into public offices, if we don't put those people in those places that can actually change this nation, that we go down as a nation together. If we don't lead some of those people who are in those positions to Jesus Christ, we go down as a nation together. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. What's the exact opposite is true. Cursed is the nation whose God is not the Lord. 
When America gave up the reality of God and the responsibility to live justly before God, they decided to move away from him. I think a lot of blame can be laid at the feet of the parents who served God, not out of a love for him, but out of a sense of duty. They did it because they felt like they had to. And they raised a generation of, of, of young people who saw their parents doing it just because they had to do it. And the moment they got an opportunity to run outside of the door of the church, they ran outside the door and they never came back. Because it didn't mean anything to their parents. Why would it mean anything to them? Oh, you, you don't serve God out of a sense of duty. You serve God out of a sense of love for him. The moment they began to question the reason why things were done the way they were done, they left. They were given no explanation and they gave it up. America's been making that decision to move further and further away ever since. And so we see what America discerned, what America decided, but also, number three, what America discovered. And you see this in verse number 24 of Romans chapter 1. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. America discovered that God would relinquish to man the ability to do whatever it was that he wished to do. God gave them up to uncleanness. I was not alive in the 60s, but I know in the 60s through the 80s there was a decaying of America's moral culture as men were allowed by God to pursue their own delights. Well, God was pushed aside. Men bowed before the altar of Mother Earth, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. Millions of innocent lives were sacrificed on the altars of abortion to the gods of hedonism and materialism. The streets of America flowed with drugs and alcohol and immorality. But man was not satisfied. He wanted more. And we're seeing that more being pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed more and more in America today. And again, we read, for this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. When moral decay failed to satisfy the wicked hearts of sinful men, God allowed them to continue their pursuit into that moral depravity. And that deviant behavior has become the norm instead of the exception in America. And those lifestyles that, that are openly, openly proclaimed and publicly praised, God is going to have to bring that judgment at some point. But God gives them up to do their things that they want to do that are against him. America discovered that God will eventually give us up to our own lust. He's going to stop fighting against it until the day that his judgment comes. And many of those who hold positions of power and influence today in our nation are proudly affirming their allegiance to those causes. But tragically, what America is discovering is that the final destination of moral depravity is mental depravity. You wanna, you wanna know why so many people are having mental health issues today? Because we've moved into that moral depravity and moral depravity leads to mental depravity. How, how, come this, how, come, how come you didn't hear about this 50 years ago? Mental health issues, right? Why didn't you hear about that 50 years ago? Because at least for the most part, men were moral and God blessed that morality. But as you move into moral depravity and God gives you up to your own lust, and your own vile affections, and moves into that mental depravity at the same time. And then they just start thinking of more and more ways to be deviant, more and more ways to be disgusting. We read in Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That's why I believe so many things that are taking place don't make sense to a clear-minded individual. 
Right? Just, it, we can't comprehend it. How can this be happening in this country? How can this be allowed? Because it doesn't make sense to somebody that's got a clear mind because their minds are given over to that depravity. There's a desire and a determination to eradicate God from the equation. We veered far onto that road of national insanity, and now once what was once considered good is considered bad, and what's, what once was bad is now considered to be good and, and, and righteous by a lot of people's standards. Our nation is just awash with alcohol and drugs and so much, so much other depravity in this nation. Rivers of innocent blood stain our hands. You have officials, corrupt officials that are lining their own pocketbooks and they don't care what happens to the rest of the nation. Rioters are praised. Churches and religious organizations and religious worshipers are the ones that are looked down upon for trying to get together and meet. Liquor stores, marijuana dispensaries were considered essential. Churches were closed. How does that make sense to a clear-minded person? That's a great experiment called the American Republic is hanging in the balance. Which brings us then to the last issue of where America is destined. And for that, we turn to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 32. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which do such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. If the pathway is unchanged, America is facing the judgment of God. I echo the words of Thomas Jefferson. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Turn over to 2 Kings. I want to look at one example and we'll be done. Remember the people of Judah under the leadership of King Manasseh? He, he, he reigned for 55 years. He had an opportunity to serve God, he built, but he built up the high places. He did what the Bible says, that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He made altars to Baal. He sacrificed his children on the altar. He practiced magic and wizardry and so many other things that we won't take the time to read through. But the Bible says that he wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. The people were seduced to do this, this evil and, 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 and that the die was cast and the judgment of God was determined upon Israel. Look what it says there in 2 Kings chapter 21 and verse number 12. Therefore, thus said the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah, that whosoever heareth of it, both his ears shall tingle. Can you imagine that? God's bringing a judgment so harsh on the nation of Israel that, man, I can't even, my ears are tingling listening to what God's talking about with this judgment. Verse 13, I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipeth a dish wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of mine inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies. And they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies because they have done that which was evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the days their fathers came forth out of Egypt even unto this day. It may be that such evil has been done in America that God has already decided his judgment upon this nation. I don't know. I'm not God. I've not seen some proclamation that God sent out or anything like that. It may be that God's already pronounced his judgment. But may I remind you that before the judgment was unfolded on, on Judah, there was a window of opportunity. And we see that in 2 Kings chapter 22, a young boy named Josiah came to the throne at the age of eight years old. 
And he was seeking to implement some measure of reform, but he was made aware of the fact that somebody had discovered the book of the law, God's book. And he commanded that that book be brought forth. And in great contrition, he cried out to God and begged God for mercy. And we see in verse number 11 of 2 Kings chapter 22, and it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he rent his clothes. He commanded, and we're not going to read the rest, but he commanded the men to, to, to get rid of all the idols and to tear down all the high places and to get rid of the altars to Baal and to stop doing all this wickedness after the book of the law was read. And here's the answer that God gave in chapter 22, verse number 19. Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord when thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into the, thy grave in peace, and thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. It was the discovery of the word of God. It was the humility of one man who was willing to bow down before God and say, Please forgive us as a nation for what we've done against you. Turn to God. God granted that nation a measure of respite from the judgment that he had decreed upon them. He said, in your lifetime, I'm not going to send that judgment. In America, in America, while we may not have the ability to prevent judgment from coming, perhaps there's a chance that we could bring about a postponement of that judgment. But what would that require? I want you to look at one last verse with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and you could probably quote it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And verse number 14. If my people, my people, my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We want to see God do something in this nation again? It rests on our shoulders. The professor from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas was preaching in Nevada, and he didn't preach often, but... He was normally pretty reserved, and he normally kind of taught instead of preached. But he put his whole heart into the sermon. He called for the people in the congregation to get their hearts right with God. And at the end of the message, he kind of, finished, he kind of finished the message off in just kind of a flurry of words. And he said, you need to repent and turn from your sin. So, Buster, if, you're headed, if, your, heart's not, if your heart's not right with God, come down to this altar right now and get your heart right with God. The invitation was given, and the professor joined the pastor of the church down there at the altar. And at the invitation, uh, as the invitation ended, this young boy came walking forward at the, uh, at the end of the altar and looked directly at the professor, and he said, My name is Buster, and I need to get my heart right with God. True story. The message is simple, though. If you need to get your heart right with God, then Buster, you better get your heart right with God. That's what this nation needs. We don't need better policies. We don't need more politicians. We don't need more laws. We need more Christians who are actually Christians, who live for God the way that a Christian ought to live for God. 
The message is very simple this morning, perhaps too simple. But God's looking for Christians who will just get right with him. He's looking for Christians who will stop playing church. Christians who will stop playing Christian and actually be a Christian. Christians who are done living like the world. Christians who just want to be used by God to affect change in those around them. I, I don't know if there's a way to know on this earth. But wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we stand before God someday and he says, it was your prayer that sparked that revival in Henrico, Virginia. It was your desire. Remember back in 2022 when you had a desire more than anything else to just live for God? You put everything else aside. You focused only on your relationship with him. Remember that back in 2022? That was when I changed my mind and decided to postpone the judgment on America just a little bit longer. I don't know. Perhaps we'll never know until we stand before God. But wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be a part of that? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be able to just push the judgment of this nation back a little bit farther because we decided that we were going to be righteous. We decided that we were going to be holy. We decided that we were just going to live for him. I believe we can see revival in this nation again. It's happened in the past when things didn't look like we'd ever see one. I believe we can see revival in this nation again. But our window of opportunity is small. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? God's judgment has not yet come down in this nation. So the window is still open. We still have a chance. We still have an opportunity to get right. What are you going to do with it? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness to us. I know this may not have been quite a typical message this morning. But I believe it's a message that you laid on my heart to give to our church at this time. I know there's many people in our church who maybe compared to the rest of Christianity are doing okay. But we don't want to compare ourselves to the rest of Christianity. We want to compare ourselves to you. How are we when we put ourselves up next to the word of God? How are we when we look into that mirror? What, what is the reflection that we see back? Ah, I pray that we get to the point where, we're, where we look in that mirror and we see your reflection instead of our own. God, I pray that if we need to get right with you, we do it. I pray that if you're going to send a revival to this nation, that you'd start it right here. I pray that if there's any Christians that you can use because we're doing our best to live for you, that you'd use this group of Christians right here. God, we have such a, such a community to reach. So many people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Such an opportunity. But the window is closing. I pray that you'd help us take advantage of it. Use it to share the message of the gospel. Use it to get our hearts right with you so that we can be used by you. However you see fit. Well, thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand at your seats with your heads bowed.